Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by our buddy, Candlestick Will's book, You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself. How I Achieved Lasting Success and Somehow Got Taller with My Journey to Health. This is his book. It's actually under his real name, not his artistic sports name, Michael Saltzman. And we're going to be spending this episode talking with our boy Candlestick Will about his journey and about this book. Uh, I, I hinted a very little about it at the end of the podcast. I didn't want to say too much because there's just it's a great story and one that I think is worthy of an entire Goldcast episode to it. So, But before we start that, let's remember to follow us on YouTube.com slash The Goldcast, Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. This, this, uh, the Goldcast is available where all... Great podcasts are uh, sold for free. iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher. Like, subscribe, comment on YouTube. That's the best place to go. Always comment on the YouTubes because that is the best place. It's where usually where we all of our mailbag and from all of our mailbags come from the YouTube comment section there. So reach out to us, talk to us, let us know what you think. We love to hear from you and we love to talk about it on the show. You can also find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. Candlestick Will, where can they find you? They can find me at Candlestick Will on Twitter and also for the book, if they want to go directly to that, they can find me at Cant Until. Nice. All right, we're going to get into it. This entire episode is going to be dedicated to just talking to Candlestick Will about his journey about this incredible journey to lose over 120 pounds and just what it took, what he went through, and what this book is about. So sit back, enjoy. Class is in session, but this time it's about life. Let's go! San Francisco, are you ready? This is The Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Suisse III, and with me is my esteemed co-host, Candle Stick Will. Boom. All right, buddy. So let's get into the journey of this book. Let, I, let's just get into this. Let's talk about this book. As we said, mentioned before, it's called You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself. And I want to talk about first what inspired this journey why did you decide that you you know i mean obviously lots of people want to lose weight but you decided that this was something that you were going to track and and really commit yourself to and then out of it came this book so let's just talk about the origin of this journey how did how did we get to the place that you are now well you know i think it started with the fact that i had lost weight before and gained it back lost weight a second time gained it back And got to a place where I was heavier than I'd ever been in my life. And, you know, we can go into a little bit more about the specifics, but because I had lost weight two times before and then now was heavier than I'd ever been, because I had done that in my life, when I decided to get healthy this time, I realized that all the things I did well those first two times were irrelevant if I wasn't going to pursue this a different way because clearly it didn't work because I gained the weight back. So I had to look at this from a different perspective. I had to find other ways to do it. 
And the first thing I did was decide that this was not about a weight loss journey, but a journey to health. And that I had to forget about the numbers as much as just becoming a healthier person. And that once I became healthy, I had to find a way to stay healthy. And so with those thoughts in mind, it put me in a much better place and a much better frame of mind for this to be successful. Because the first two times I tried to lose weight, it was, a, it was so by the numbers that by the time I hit a certain number, I felt like I had accomplished something and then found ways to sabotage it knowingly and unknowingly that I realized that there just wasn't the right way to do it. That just worrying about what the scale said was not anywhere near the, the right approach. And instead I had to worry about what was my diet? How many, you know, how many days a week am I working out? And am I doing the things that are healthy? So things like what, what am I drinking? What am I eating? Not just how many calories. Got it. And so I understand. So what you're basically saying here is that it, it went from a, let's just get to a certain weight to let's actually develop a new lifestyle. Absolutely. And you know, one of the advantages I had, you know, the previous two times I'd lost weight, you know, besides just stepping on a scale, I had, I had learned some things about my body. I'd learned about things like basal metabolic rate, about how many calories you burn without an activity and what the average is and how to kind of calculate that for yourself. And so even just knowing that I was burning somewhere between 2000 to 2200 calories a day without activity gave me a better sense of how much food I really should be eating and shouldn't. And then once I started to learn more about what to eat and when, such as, you know, when to eat carbs, when to eat, you know, and what carbs to eat, when to eat protein, you know, even just being told simple things like, you know, you should have uh, something with, with high protein after a workout to help with recovery. As a 39-year-old, that matters a lot more than when I was 25 or 20 or 22 um, because I need to be able to be smart about what I'm eating. So if I'm having something that's high in protein, and I'm having it, um, at, you know, at, at the wrong time of day versus the right time of day, it makes all the difference in how my body's taking the nutrition and how my body's then using that nutrition. And so that was a big part of it. And ultimately what it really came down to was me trying to be consistent, which is something that we all, we all struggle with when we're on a weight loss journey. We all struggle with when we're on a journey. Health is, is that consistency. So by, posting my workouts by letting people know I was doing it. And then by, you know, sharing them every day, here's what I did today. Even if I had a bad day, it was the fact that I was being consistent, the message being consistent with what I was doing and then sharing my truth made it a lot easier for others to connect to it, made it, made it to where obviously it it's blown up into what it's become, which is that I ended up writing a book about it. But the biggest reason that even started was because people were gravitating towards me being honest about what I was doing. So let me ask you this. Did you feel like sharing your story online, sharing it with, with, um, social media, did it, did you also feel a sense of, did it help you to help you to become more accountable? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, when I first started posting, I, I even admitted this, I think in one of my videos on YouTube was that, you know, by posting videos, it, there were days where the only reason I went to the gym was because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't have anything to post and I didn't want to have a missed day. So when you look at 
the things that I did and how I, and how often I did them. I mean, I only missed eight workouts in the year that I tracked my workouts and the eight days that I missed had to do with being sick and had to do with things that were kind of out of my control in a lot of ways. And even in the book, I mentioned how some of those days I, I could have still found a way to go to the gym for 30 minutes and instead I decided not to. So it was noticing that not only was I rarely ever not doing something each day, but it was the fact that because I was holding myself accountable and because posting all the workouts was a, a form of accountability, it allowed me to be a lot more consistent, which was you know, great for the end results. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So let me ask this. In, when you started this journey, did you know you were going to write a book? How did the evolution of this book come about? Were you like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a book about it. Or did this just happen organically through the time? When did you start to realize that this journey was becoming something more, was also becoming a, a form of artistic expression? You know, you know, writing a book, I, I, I'm, as someone who's also published a book before, I, I consider that to be an artistic expression regardless of its, if it's uh, fiction or nonfiction. So when did, when did that part of it, come about it really did come organically I, I wasn't i wasn't um thinking the you know i'll write i'll uh, i'll do these workouts and then you know publish a book about it what you know what really kind of started the the whole thing was on the, the second day of my workouts i had posted a video um on on uh twitter and i had tagged a guy um dre 2332 was his, is his Twitter account and, um, him and his brother have been working out, you know, longer than I have in trying to lose weight. And Dre started out at 511 pounds. And I think he's, uh, he's lost nearly a hundred pounds now. And his journey is just incredible. And, and I, I saw his journey for a couple of weeks before I started. And so because I saw him posting videos and working so hard, I was like, you know, that's a great way for me to be accountable. And so I'll do that. And so I tag him and I said, you know, hey, thanks, Dre, for the motivation. I'm on day two. And then the, the video I had posted, you know, was, was saying some some additional things to that. And I think there was like 70,000 views of that video um, by the next day. And I had, you know, tons of comments and responses saying, you know, congratulations, you know, good luck on your journey. And everyone was just so heartfelt and genuine and, and sincere that it just really inspired me to to do what I was started to do, which was to post videos and hold myself accountable and share, share my truth. And then as I was doing that, it was just the, the natural writer in me was like, you know, I, I have all this documentation now. I've got all these tweets and I've, I've shared all these things and people have asked me advice and I've given them advice. And every once in a while when I've given them advice, I'm like, Oh, that's really good advice. I should write that down. That's a, you know, I didn't, I never <laughs> even thought of it that way until I wrote it until I wrote it to somebody else. And, so it was, it was kind of like just little, little gems here and there and little different moments here and there. And so as I was doing the workouts and I had all these, these tweets out there, um, I, there was a day that came about, you know, maybe a month or two in where I was like, I, I really want to write all this stuff down. And I, when I said, when I say that I wasn't necessarily talking about my workouts, but I was talking about some of these thoughts that started coming to my head about, well, why did you, why did you sabotage your first diet? Why did you sabotage your second diet? Why did this happen? And I started thinking about everything from, you know, how I was kind of addicted to soda, how I was kind of addicted to certain types of foods, how they were like trigger foods, how, you know, 
even just the way that food is marketed, you know, people are trying to make a profit when they sell food. They're not trying to sell you healthy food. They're trying to sell you food that you'll, you'll buy again. So it's, you know, foods designed to have, you know, chemicals in it that are designed to make you hungry, not make you satisfied. You know, soda is, you know, um, infamously is, you know, helps you get dehydrated. So, you know, it makes you, it makes you thirsty and it's like, well, that's a, you know, then they have commercials where they say soda will quench your thirst. It's like, no, you're lying to the, your, you know, to people when you say that. Um, and it's, so it's, it's things like that. So just kind of mapping out all of those things. And then I just started as I, as I kind of peeled back the onion and peeled back the layers, I started looking into past relationships. I had a, a fiance and, you know, realizing that, that the way that that ended was actually, um, you know, it's partly my fault. And so you all of a sudden this got really personal. But in doing that, it also got me to see that all of this was connected in a lot of different ways. And the web that I was weaving was like, this is something I need to write down. And even when I said that to myself, I wasn't thinking and then I'll publish it. I was just thinking I need to write this down. And if I write this down, I'll be able to kind of hash through it and come out a stronger, you know, more you know, confident person on the other end, but also with just a better understanding of myself. And the more I did it, the more I realized, you know, this is something that other people can connect to. Because even if they're in, I I truly believe that someone who reads this book, who's never had to deal with weight, could still connect to it in a lot of ways. Because of the journey that I was on, it was a difficult one. And I, I looked at a lot of different avenues of myself and kind of what I was going through. But everyone out there deals with things that are way above their, you know, pay grade, you know, to use an expression. It's like, you know, we're we're thrust into the into a world where suddenly the world becomes really relentless. And if we're not prepared for it, it could it could break us down. And sometimes life will do that and it'll break you down and it'll it'll spit you out. And it won't necessarily care that it's done that because life can sometimes just be really, really cruel that way. But it's it happens to everyone. And if we learn from those moments and if we find, you know, some silver linings in there and if we can find, you know, out why it happened, what maybe what control we had over it, all of those things can lead to a, a positive next step. And I think that was one of the things I really looked at was, you know, how can I take all of this and then make it work for me this next time? Because I think what happened a lot of times in my past was as I would let the excuses come instead of looking for ways to fix it. One of the things I, I started uh, using a lot was the idea of positive excuses that we, we spend so much time in life making excuses that if we use that same energy and make positive excuses and make an excuse to go to the gym, make an excuse to eat healthier, make an excuse to, you know, be proactive about where we're going for dinner tonight. You know, instead of saying, oh, I don't care, whatever, you know, saying, Hey, how about let's go to this one place where, you know, there's a food that is way better for you than if we went somewhere else where the, the food choices are going to, you know, be a problem. And, you know, it's little things like that. And if you do that enough, you can set yourself up for a lot of success. And then if, if you aren't able to do that, sometimes you've minimized the damage at least. And so there's a lot of ways in which you can help yourself, but you have to be honest with yourself in the first place and trying to find those positive excuses or trying to find the ways to navigate this journey to health. It all came back to the same place of if I'm not honest with myself, then this isn't going to work. That's great. And that's 100% 
such a big part of the battle is just being honest with yourself and really looking in the mirror and deciding, being honest with yourself, being honest with yourself about who you are and who you aren't. And I think that is the trickiest part of the entire thing because the more honest you can be with yourself about who you are and what you're doing and how so much of your success and failure is really almost entirely in your hands and not really in anyone else's hands other than yourself, the faster it is, that is, if you're trying to get to become, if you're trying to become better, the faster you can become better by simply admitting to yourself that you are probably your own worst enemy. But that is really hard for people to do. Well, and you know, the, one of the things that I did, one of the things I did, I didn't really, I didn't eliminate that many things from, you know, from my diet or whatever. But one thing I a hundred percent cut out was soda. And, you know, I was drinking, I was drinking diet soda, you know, by the liter. I was having multiple two liters a day. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. And, you know, one of the reasons I did it was because I liked the taste of, and I diet Dr. Pepper was my favorite. I would have diet Dr. Pepper all the time. And then if we went, if I went to a restaurant, I'd order, you know, diet Coke or diet Pepsi, whatever. And I'd have it all the time. And, you know, it doesn't have calories technically. So you could drink seven two liters and you wouldn't gain weight necessarily. And so I would do that. And the previous two diets I was on and I lost weight. But if you're being honest with yourself, you know, that soda is not healthy. You know, that diet soda has chemicals that aren't healthy. So if I was going to have a journey to health instead of a weight loss program, then I had to cut soda out because I was over drinking it. I was drinking it when I shouldn't. And if I, if I could replace it with water, and just drink water, then I would be giving myself a lot of benefits, not just because I was cutting soda out, but all the benefits that water can provide for your body. And that combination of adding so much water and cutting out soda completely was a huge catalyst to me with having the right mindset going forward. Because in the previous, my previous weight loss, um, where I went from, I was, I was 315 pounds the second time I lost weight. And I got all the way down to 235. And in losing all that weight, I drank a ton of soda. And it, it was still great to lose that weight, but the soda wasn't helping me be healthy. And so I think that was a big part of it was that if I was going to be as honest as I could with myself, I knew I needed to cut things out that were unnecessary for my for myself, unnecessary for my body, unnecessary for my progress and what I could be. And by now having as much water as I do every day, it helps me have a, a better body, a better, you know, um, a better physique, the whole thing. And it's not just about um, replacing the soda, but it's about replacing the soda with something that's actually so much better for me. Right, exactly. I want to go back to something you were saying because I thought this was really interesting and I want to unpack it. I want you to, to unpack this for me. You talked about how people make excuses for their bad habits and so what you started to do is create excuses for good habits give me an example of that take me through your mind like what what give me a moment where a moment that you old old candlestick will versus new candlestick will and and give me the difference in your brain and what the excuses you give you what what, what did you give yourself before and what do you give yourself now because i think this is really interesting and i've never really heard this before and i i want i like if I'm interested, if this if this is piquing my interest, I think it's going to pique other people's interest. So I want to hear, give me two versions of you, the old you versus the new you, and what your brain does did, what your brain said to you in each scenario. Well, I mean, even just so like the the 
second diet versus the third diet. And even the first one, because the first one I went from 280 to 230 and I was using what was called a body bug, which is basically just a, a fancy pedometer where you would link to your computer and then you could, um, you could chart your, your food with it. But so, you know, when I use that, um, when I use the, the body bug, I would know how many calories I was burning for the day and I would know how much, how many calories I was eating for the day. And I was trying to get a 1000 deficit. So if I was at 900, I knew I needed to lose, you know, or burn, I needed to burn a hundred more calories. So I might go out and burn a hundred more calories. But as soon as I hit that 100, I might've stopped because I was just trying to get to that thousand. And if I still had energy this time around, I would have gone further because it's not just about trying to get to a specific number, but it's about trying to do the most I could do. And the other part of it was, is that, you know, when, when you talk about making positive excuses, making an excuse to, to listen to your body too. I mean, there were days along this journey where I was sore from the, the workout I had done, or I was, you know, unable to do what I wanted to do initially. Maybe I wanted to go on the elliptical for an hour and 20 minutes in, I was pretty worn out. And so being smart enough to listen to my body and make the positive excuse to rest and then do that made more sense than me trying to push through simply because that was the workout I had planned. And so to me, it's about, you know, taking what maybe would have been the, the old me of, you know, making an excuse to get the workout in, even if it sounded right, because it ultimately would create long-term damage and even some short-term damage if I was going to end up hurting myself. And instead, being more strategic, being more patient, realizing that the long game mattered more than the short game. And then, you know, wh whether it was, you know, eating something healthy because I knew it was better for me, you know, the, one of the th examples I can give you with the positive excuses for my diet besides the soda, which is the obvious one, was just the fact that if I had, you know, let's say, let's say I ordered a hamburger or a slice of pizza, the first couple diets, you know, it's like, okay, this is 400 calories. So I can have, I can get away with two. And so it was trying to avoid that altogether. Instead of saying the sentence, I can get away with, you know, having one of these, or I can get away with having two of these, maybe don't have 800 calories in the first place and have something healthier. Or if I'm going to have 800 calories, have 800 calories of something really healthy. And so I think that was a big part of it was making those positive excuses to do the right things for the right reasons. And if I was going to have a craving for a slice of pizza, then either just accept it, realize that it's not the end of the world to have one mistake, not beat myself up over it, but then only have the one mistake. And so the biggest takeaway, I think, from any kind of any version of positive excuses is on how you handle each situation. So if I, you know, there were a couple of times where I had pizza and pizza is a huge trigger for me. I love cold pizza. I love warm pizza. I love, you know, crap pizza from Domino's and Little Caesars. I love, I love delicious pizza from round table and, you know, every mom and pop that exists. Like if it's, if it's pizza, I like it. And I'm with you. I, could, I think America's I, with and you. And I could eat, I could eat an entire extra large pizza and then ask if there's any more slices. You know, I just, I, I always joked with my friend, Andrew, that we, we seem to have, uh, you know, an extra stomach for, for pizza. <laughs> and so, but I'm not going to beat myself up because I made a mistake. That's what happens. We're human. And so the next time there's pizza, I'm going to try not to eat it because I know that's not the right thing for me to do because I tend to have a lot of slices. 
And, and that's what happened. The last time I had pizza was actually probably several months ago. But when I did have the pizza, I was frustrated for a few minutes, but I got over it because I realized the healthiest thing to do in that moment was not to beat myself up about it and make the positive excuse that, look, I was eating healthy the day before I ate healthy all, all the rest of that day. I'll eat healthy the, the, the remainder of the day. And tomorrow I'll try to be a little bit better than I was, you know, the previous day so that I can kind of balance out the mistake. And that because I've been working so hard and doing so well, and I've lost so much weight to this point that this one, this one moment with this one slice of pizza is not going to hurt me. And so many times, and I'm sure you've seen this first and secondhand with friends and family and even yourself, whenever you've tried to lose weight is that it's so easy to sabotage your, your diet by having a, a cheat meal or a cheat day and then feeling like you have to start over or feeling like you've ruined it. And if you get to that place mentally, you've, you've sabotaged all the hours you've put in. And I had, and I've done that twice in my life where after months and months of working hard, I slowly and then methodically sabotaged what I did. And if I was going to avoid that from, from, from now on, then I had to be in a, a much healthier mental state in the first place. And that's not something I can necessarily teach anyone because I do think that this whole journey starts with you. It's the whole reason the book is titled that you can't do it until you believe in yourself is because I can't force this on someone. I can't force someone to suddenly make the right, the right choices about how to start. You know, when, when anyone asks me my, my secret, I tell them, the first thing I tell them is make, just, just make today day one, just try it and just see how you, how you do. And in doing that, try to make healthy decisions every day. And if you try to make healthy decisions every day, if you try to be active every single day, if you don't say, okay, I'm going to work out three days a week and I'll have a cheat day every Friday, you know, if you're, if you're already giving yourself excuses and if you're already giving yourself, you know, ways of avoiding being healthy, you're not in the right mental place because you're already trying to set yourself up for failure with it, whether you realize it or not. So it's like, no, every meal, you should try to eat the healthiest thing you can. So find foods you like to eat so you can repeat it. If you go to a restaurant that you didn't pick out and it's a, you know, Italian restaurant and there's very little healthy food there or very little low calorie food there, then find one of the lowest calorie things or just eat something you really like and have a smaller portion or just, or have one bad meal and then try to be better around it. You know, it's like you, you can make those decisions. You shouldn't have half the menu. And so it, that's a big part of it, I think, is there's maybe 12 different things you could do on any given evening for dinner. And as long as you don't do the one where you just say, screw it and have the whole site, whole, whole, uh, whole entire pizza, then you're probably making good choices. And if you're making bad choices, but they're not the, the worst choice, then that's still better than the worst choice. So you, you just have to frame it in your own mind that way. And sometimes you have to trick yourself. Sometimes you have to convince yourself, but ultimately it's about putting yourself in the healthiest frame of mind so that the next meal and the next workout can be successful so that you're not setting yourself up to feel like it's been three or four days since you've had a good workout or three or four days since you've eaten something healthy. And then you feel like you're on the wrong side of, of the journey. That's really interesting. And I like that. That's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. So let me ask you this. What, 
what was the hardest point in this journey, in this last year? Was there ever a point where you got to where you felt like you couldn't go on or this has been too much? Did you ever, did you ever reach that kind of low in, in this third trip around? Was there, ever, was there ever a point where your mind's going, I don't even know why you're doing this. You know, you're going to have to do this a fourth and a fifth time. You're going to always repeat this cycle. Did you ever have that kind of negative talk or, or, and if you did, how did you, how did you, how did you deal with that? I don't know if I ever had a moment in this journey where I felt like I was definitely going to have a fourth or a fifth. I, I think I do. I think I did genuinely feel like because I had lost weight two times before and gained it all back, that there was always a part of me that knew that there was no guarantee this was going to be the, you know, the end all be all workout and end all be all, you know, plan that it was possible that I could gain this weight back that I don't think it was ever on the forefront of my mind, but I think the fact that, that I knew my body had done this twice before where I'd lost weight and gained it back, that I think that was just a reality that it, there was no hundred percent guarantee. I mean, I think the proof that I wasn't a hundred percent confident is that I didn't take like a day one photo with, you know, with nice lighting and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff where I knew this was going to be my day one photo. So then I could do this. I'll, I'll wear the same outfit on day 365. Like I didn't have it planned out that perfectly. You know, once I moved to LA, I was like, okay, I, I have to join a gym. I went to join a gym. And as soon as I joined the gym, I started working out that day. So I went as soon as I could to the gym and then I worked out that day. So it wasn't like I was waiting for January 1st or I was waiting for a Monday. It just, I think it happened to be a Wednesday and it was like, so that's, then that was, that's going to, today's going to be day one. So the, the same advice I give to people about just decide that today's day one, that was what I did. And so I didn't take a video that day. I didn't take any pictures that day. So to me, that kind of proves the point that, you know, that I, um, wasn't hundred percent confident. I think the lowest moments for me was when I had a, a bad workout or the days that I didn't get to work out. Um, or the times, like I said, where I had a couple slices of pizza or I had a meal that I knew was bad. There were a couple of moments, even the, even a few weeks before my one year weigh-in where I was really hoping not to, not to have extra snacks and not to eat extra. And then I would sit at, sit at night and I'd have, you know, an extra protein bar and then I'd have some string cheese and then I'd have some jerky and I'd end up with like four or five different snacks that I would like eat because all of them technically were low calorie, but then all combined are like seven or eight calories. So I would go from a day where I was, you know, doing really well with my, with my, with my food. And then suddenly I added like 800 calories and I'm like, what, what, what just happened? In like 30 minutes, I ate, all this food and what, why would I do any of that? I wasn't even hungry. Why, why did I do that? You know? And so, you know, those were kind of the, the lower moments for me. But I think again, because I had so many workouts in the books, because I was charting them and I knew exactly like each day I could say, Oh, today is day 326. You know, and because I had that number at the front of my mind, it's really hard. I think when you're doing that, if you know that today is day 326 the fact that you've done 326 workouts, you can feel you, you, you can put yourself in the right frame of mind when you have a bad workout because you know, you had 325 other ones and, yeah. and those weren't all bad. 
And then when you have a bad meal, you can go, I can look at the, my, when I was using the, the app, my fitness pal, and I would look at my, my, the entire week. And then I would look at the previous week and the week before that and the week before that. And I would see that it's like for the week, I was 700 calories under for the entire week. And then the following week I was, you know, 300 calories over or, or whatever it was. And I would kind of look. And so when you kind of balanced it all out, it was like, okay, so I'm like 500 calories over for the month. So, you know, I was hoping to eat 2,400 calories a day and I had 2,403 calories. So it's like, is, you know, how can I be upset about a couple of meals that went over a couple snacks I shouldn't have had when I'm like three calories a day over? So when you, when you look at it from those kind of more long-term perspectives and you look at it from the fact of what you'd built to that point, you know, I had some lower moments when I was on day like 15 or day 35 or whatever, because I was still 300 pounds or I was still 290 pounds. And so I'd look in the mirror and feel like I hadn't done much. But then when I look at my look at the scale or I look at, you know, or I even just literally could do an extra 30 minutes on the elliptical or I could, you know, actually do a workout without, you know, um, feeling like I was worn out after one or two sets. So I was feeling the energy I was gaining back and it was taking longer than I wanted it to. But I also knew it was a long process. And because I'd had success two times before with losing weight at least I knew that I could do it over several months and it was just a matter of doing it so I had some moments where I was like man I wish I could just you know snap my finger and be at 230 and then go from there but at the same time I also knew this process was worth it because it was going to help me get there the healthiest way so I think ultimately any low moment I had didn't last because I knew I had so much other good moments in the tank and so many other good things happening along the way so let me ask you this in terms of the book. So now you're going through this journey. It's now evolved into this book. What exactly, what style of book is this? Is this a self-help book or is this more of an autobiographical journey? Is it a combination of the two? What exactly is the, is the ultimate message that this book is trying to deliver? Well, I would hope that this, what this book is do for people that read it is just look at themselves in the mirror and say to themselves, am am I living my best life? And if I'm not, is there something I could do to help move that along in the right direction? I mean, that if, if I had a a magic wand, that's kind of what I would wave over someone if they were thinking about reading this book is that, you know, could, could this book help them to kind of question their own path And am I on the path that makes the most sense for me? Because I do think that this book's going to resonate more with someone who's dealing with weight loss, who's struggled with weight loss and realizes that it actually means more to go on a journey to health instead of just a weight loss program. Because there's a lot of weight loss programs that work by definition by just simply losing weight, but it doesn't factor in any of the maintenance to keep it off. And it doesn't give you a sustainable diet and workout plan in the first place because it's designed to shock your body and not to build your body and, you know, build it the right, the right way. Instead, it's like, okay, eliminate all carbs. So that way you burn a lot of fat and that way you get, you lose a lot of weight and congratulations, you now you've now lost 20 pounds. 
And in doing that, it's like, well, that's not a sustainable diet for someone once they've lost the weight to keep it off because now they're, if they re-enter carbs into their body without any knowledge, they're going to eat any carbs, not just the, you know, complex carbs and all the things that can go wrong with that. So, you know, ultimately what this book for me is, is it's a, uh, I, and again, I'm just using the verbiage that I've kind of chosen, but to me, it's a journey to health that is an autobiographical look at what my journey to health has been throughout my life and then what it was specifically for this year. But to me, one of the reasons I wrote this book and then wrote it the way I did is that the first eight chapters are about everything about what made this journey necessary and why there were so many factors that I had to kind of unpack before I could start this journey and that I was unpacking while I was on this journey. And to me, the people that have screenshotted pages from the book and said, hey, I'm reading it and I really love it, they're not screenshotting my journal entries from the year of my workouts. They're screenshotting moments from my past where I talk about breaking up with my fiance or talking about how I was sabotaging you know, previous diets because they're resonating with me being vulnerable and being you know, courageous enough to share my truth when maybe not everyone's willing to do that. You know, to me, that's one of the most courageous things someone can do is share something that might be looked at as embarrassing or share something that might be looked at as you know, weak or whatever. And you know, being willing to share those things is something that I was willing to do because I felt like it was a way for me to connect with me but also, and more importantly, be able to connect with others and hopefully have them be able to then read this and, and get some inspiration from it. That's great, man. Well, that that is an incredible journey, and it takes a lot of guts to go on that journey. It takes a lot of guts to chronicle it the way you do, and I'm really proud of you, man, and we're really happy to have you, and that is, a. Uh, I don't know. That's that's just a great story, and I, I can't really impress upon you how much, uh, just how proud I am, and how happy I am for you that you've you have discovered this new level to yourself as a person, man. I think that's great. Well, and and, and just I just want you to know, man, it means a lot to hear you say that. I just, you know, it's it's one of those things. I I know um, when we talked before, I, I I brought this up, and and I'm just going to organically bring it up again because I think it, it it matters the most to me about this journey is that this journey doesn't happen without my wife. Um, you know, one, one of the things when I dedicated the book, I dedicated it the same way I did for the workouts, which was, I used the hashtags for me, for Danielle, for Aaron, for my family and for Dre. Like those are the, the hashtags I used. And I used them in that order because that was the order of importance for me was that I, it has to start with yourself first. You have, you have to want to be healthy you have to believe you deserve to be healthy. And I think until you feel that way, until you can look in the mirror and say, I deserve this, you're not in the right frame of mind to start a journey that's going to work and, and stay working and stay long lasting. But with all that said, I don't literally get to the gym every day. I don't literally get to spend that time away from my family if my wife wasn't willing to do all the things necessary for that to be possible, whether it was watching Aaron or, or picking him up from school or whatever it was where I could then sacrifice time with them and I could sacrifice, you know, I, I can move things around in my schedule to make it work. And there were so many days along this journey 
where we would talk the night before about, right, when, when should I work out tomorrow? Okay, should I go first thing in the morning? Should I go right after work? Should I go after Aaron goes down for the night? And in doing all those things, I was sacrificing time with her. I was sacrificing time with my son. And I was putting a lot of pressure on her to have to watch our son whenever he was, you know, not at school or, or whatever or whatever was going on. And for her to basically say, we'll make it work. You know, I, I don't want you to miss your workouts. And she said that all the time. It just this literally doesn't happen without her. And then her endless support is even more to the point. So it's just I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't preface enough how, um, how, uh, vital she was to this success. And, and then, you know, wanting to be there to be healthy for my son so that when he wanted to run around, I could actually run around with him. Cause when I was 320, I couldn't do that. And that was breaking my heart, you know, not being able to be there for him in that way. And then on top of that, um, you know, just my whole family and my whole support system. And then, also, like I said, lastly, for, for Dre, for hit the inspiration to, to share my story the way I was. That is awesome. That is fantastic. I love that. And you can't do it without family, man. You absolutely cannot. You're 100% right. The support and love of family is huge, especially when you're undertaking a journey this book, this big. So the book, again, is called You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself by Michael Saltzman, our own, a.k.a. Candles, stick, will. Uh, what we're going to do is we're leaving a link in the description here for you to be able to purchase it. You can find it in the description here on YouTube and on iTunes and Stitcher, any, anywhere that you get, wherever you get our podcast, you'll be able to find this link and you can download it and you can purchase the book right off of Amazon. Like I said, it's called You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself by Michael Saltzman. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this story. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for this episode to drop and for people to hear it and, and you know, join you on this journey as you enter phase two, which is really exciting. Um, is there any last things you want to say about the book before we close? I mean, yeah, just, just the fact that, you know, I think ultimately this is, this is a journey that helped me just become a better version of me. And I think, you know, we, I, I mentioned it before, but we all talk about wanting to live our best life. And I think that just, it just comes from being honest. It comes from truth and admitting to yourself things you don't necessarily want to admit to yourself. And I think if we can have those real conversations with ourselves, then maybe we can start having those real conversations with people that we care about. Um, but I think, you know, for all the honesty that we say we want from others, we're, we're so quick to lie to ourselves about what's really going on. And, you know, that's the, the one, the one biggest, the, the biggest takeaway for me from writing this book and from living this journey is that the most toxic thing you can do is lie to yourself because once you allow it to happen, then there's really no end to that because you, you've just tricked your own, your own mind. You've tricked yourself that you're okay with, lying to yourself and to me that that's it's one of those things that it becomes very toxic if you do it but it can become very healthy if you get out of that you know if you get out of that trap and look in the mirror and just tell and just tell yourself exactly what's going on because you're, you're you know it you, you know it you know your body you know your your mind better than anyone and if you can live that truth and be part of that truth then you actually can live the best version of your life that you can. 
And that might not happen right away because sometimes truths are, are rough to deal with. But unpacking those and really seeing why those are happening and, and coming to those conclusions of why and how and what, what next for, for yourself once you figure those things out, that's where you can actually live the best version of your life. So to me, that's, what I, that's the biggest thing I gained from this. And hopefully others can start their own journey by looking at this book as a, a way of helping them do that. I hope so too, and I really do. I hope that that's what people get away, take away from this book. So check it out. We have a link in the description. Make sure you click on it. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my esteemed co-host, Candle Stick Will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.